0: No one's better than me. Yeah. yeah, let's go. Blow. Up. Yeah. Welcome everybody to the Friday, April seventeenth edition of Locked On Dolphins. We are now six days away. From kickoff, we have literally been counting down to the 2020 NFL Draft for months. I took over this podcast for Travis Wingfield in late February, and it has been the center of discussion for us here on this show, primarily because, and it's one of the things we're going to talk about today, everybody knows what is at stake, including Miami Dolphins management. This is a monumental window. For the Dolphins, you don't often see teams that acquire this kind of draft capital in such a short amount of time, and it's really what made the Dolphins rebuild such a unique experience is teams don't play by these rules of trading Minka Fitzpatrick's and Laramie Tunsils, and when they do, they don't go five and four over their last nine football games. So there's momentum. There's a promising young head coach in the building. There is all the draft capital you could possibly shake a stick at. It's all here in front of the Miami Dolphins. And Chris Greer, the general manager of the Miami Dolphins, met with the South Florida media yesterday to talk about and prime and prep for the 2020 NFL draft and talk about everything that is at stake for the Dolphins and what this could look like down the road if they get it right. And that's what we wanted to get dedicate our time to here today. I'm going to go over some of the primary talking points that Greer talked about throughout the course of his press conference, and we'll react to them. The first one that comes to mind was an interesting point made by Chris Greer talking about uh, whether or not their analytics department works in injury forecasting and pro- projections and how that weighs into the evaluation process. And if Tua Valoa is the most high risk from an injury projection standpoint, uh, player in the draft. And, and here's what Greer had to say. Football is a violent sport. We do the best we can. I've seen. I've been in this for a long time. I've been around good players that were never hurt like Jake Long, for instance, back in the day. And then players, when I was in New England, we drafted Curtis Martin. Curtis Martin was always hurt and basically never missed a game in New England. I think in terms of where our guys have graded guys, I'm not going to get into that. But yes, we do a lot of studies on injuries, injuries. Uh, Head athletic trainer Kyle Johnson and our doctors and staff have done a lot of work on every player, and they've done a fantastic job. So we are just going to proceed as normal. It's an interesting counterpoint. And if you look into a lot of examples, there are plenty of examples of guys who were always hurt in college who always end up being hurt in the pros. Guys who were always hurt in college who never seemed to have a problem. And the example that he gave was a Hall of Famer in Curtis Martin. And then you have players who were always durable and one wrong injury, and the whole thing goes sideways on these guys, and guys who played their entire college careers are all of a sudden injury prone. It's not an enviable place to be. But for the sake of the Miami Dolphins, they are going to make a decision based on what they're comfortable with, I have no idea whether or not Tua Valoa qualifies as someone that they are comfortable with or not. It's a huge roll of the dice. It could be not an indicator. It could be an indicator. Whatever decision the Dolphins choose to make at the quarterback position could be and probably will be the defining decision of this rebuild. Is it the kiss of death? No. The way it becomes not the kiss of death is if the Dolphins build a very competitive roster all around, well-rounded roster, the quarterback doesn't pan out, and this team in two years won nine or ten football games, or in three years won nine or ten football games, never got more than half a season out of whoever they picked to be the starting quarterback or the starting quarterback plays completely and is a total flop, whether that's Justin Herbert or Tua Tagovailoa. And if that's the situation that the Dolphins find themselves in, they feel like they've got a, a playoff contender defense, they've got a good offensive line, they just don't have stability at the quarterback position, they should have some grace with ownership if they're winning, if they're having winning seasons, because Lord knows it's been long enough since the Dolphins have had one of those. 10-6 and 6 in 2016, and then good luck. I think i think, got to go all the way back to uh, 2008. A lot of 8-8s, eight and 7-9s, and 6-10s. and tens. If the Dolphins are having sustained winning seasons, but it comes in spite of stability at the quarterback position, if they find themselves back in the driver's seat of where they were in the early 2000s, effectively, dominating defense. Playoff contender, but can't get over the top because either two is hurt all the time or Justin Herbert flops. Ownership should be able to recognize that this team has built a contending roster. And at that point, this team in three years, if they're willing to take their lumps or willing to accept a loss on whatever investment they choose to make, that's the big decision that they would have to make at that point in time. But the willingness to move off of it and then in turn say, okay, now we're going to give up a bunch of ones to go up and go get a slam dunk quarterback. We feel like the rest of our roster is ready. Right now, the Dolphins are trying to secure that foundation of the offense at the quarterback position while simultaneously building up everything else around it. If that flops, then you've got to pivot and you've got to say, okay, we're going to keep building the foundation, hope that this investment that we make at quarterback works out. If it blows up in our face, we need to be willing to take our lumps and move on before it's too late. And if the team wins, it should not be a kiss death.
1: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Miami Dolphins, putting together their draft board. Chris Greer was asked what the process is. In putting together a draft board now, and Chris Crew said we're, we're still in the process of finalizing our board. They're expecting to do that either this weekend or early next week. But here's what he said uh, as far as the process of putting together a draft board with everyone working remotely amid the COVID nineteen crisis. For us, it really hasn't been too much different. The difference is obviously we're not in the same room, but we did a lot a lot of work together in December starting on the draft with all the picks that we had coming into this draft and the coaching staff and the scouts have all done a tremendous job of evaluation all the way through December and all the way through the spring until now. Little tweaks here and there. Obviously, we're not in the same room, but we've done a lot of meetings, a lot of video conferencing with the technology mediums, and we feel really good about our process. We're ready to go. This goes back to what we talked about. A couple shows ago when we talked about why a virtual draft is not going to hurt the Miami Dolphins like it will some other teams. It's because of the amount of communication and collaboration this coaching staff and front office has with one another. That is a win because there are, you might think that's commonplace in the NFL, but I'm here to tell you right now, there are a lot of power struggles, a lot of dynamics of pushing and pulling and twisting and, and wrestling for leverage and wrestling for job security. It's a volatile industry. And we've seen this with the Miami Dolphins over the course of the past decade. The, the All of the infighting and all of the energy that goes to proving they are in... You as an individual are right and your colleague is wrong so that when things go south, your colleague's the one that's fired and not you. It's a terrible way to operate business. But that is how a lot of these teams have to fight, a lot of teams have to fight through that kind of noise. As crazy as that sounds, the Dolphins, they're so early into their build, you've got a GM that hand-selected his head coach. They have momentum. They talk on a daily basis, even throughout the course of the season. They're very close. They might make a wrong decision, But they're not going to kill each other the way some of these other teams are going to kill each other in this draft. So to hear Chris Greer back that up and say, we've been working on the draft since since December with our coaching staff and scouts. They've done a great job. Little tweaks. We feel really good about our process. We're ready to go. It's as you would expect. Some of the questions that I've got throughout the course of, of hosting this podcast have centered around uh, the coaching staff changes and asking, you know, you know, how can you give so much trust to the coaching staff when there's been so much overhaul in the coaching staff? Both coordinator positions change this offseason. Uh, Chris Greer was asked something along those lines. Um, he was asked, can you tell me a little bit about how you and head coach Brian Flores and offensive coordinator Shane Gailey have worked together to develop some consensus? And here's what Chris Greer had to say on that front. I think it's been a process working with Chan Gailey coming in, and it's been really good. The communication's been great. We've spent a lot of time talking through different qualities that we're looking for in the players that we've talked about. From our end, it's been pretty smooth, and we haven't set our final board yet. We'll probably do this late this weekend or early next week, but a lot of really good discussions on what we feel best is for the Miami Dolphins. Communication, again, you're looking for what's going to divide Brian Flores and his coaching staff, no matter who the supplementary pieces are, you're going to look towards what you should be optimistic about as a Miami Dolphins fan relative to a lot of the other teams. It's that communication. And having two guys at the top in Chris Greer and Brian Flores who are so close and Brian Flores who has such a way with people, There's not nobody's going to be blindsided on draft day when the Dolphins make whatever decision they make inside the building. Us as fans, yeah, we're going to get caught off guard. Guarantee, But Chan Gailey talking with Brian Flores, they probably have a mutual vision for some components of the offense, talking with the scouting staff and Chris Greer saying, listen, these three variables we feel like are key at this position. If we don't have this in our offensive tackles, we're going to really struggle to run the football. If we don't have these three qualities in our quarterback, we're really going to struggle to stay ahead of the chains, avoid negative plays, and score a lot of points. Seems like that has been the primary talking points with Chan Gailey, and that is, uh, of course, the the primary concern with a change in offensive coordinator amid everything that's going on is making sure we're all looking for and expecting the same thing so that way when that decision is made, Chan Gailey's not going to sit back and say, well, wait, what the hell, I wanted this guy because he has A, B, and C. Those are my most important qu- priorities. Again, that may not that's not going to guarantee that this decision... That they make a quarterback and whatever personnel decisions they make are going to be infallible, but it means they're all in this together. They're all seeing things at the same level through the same set of eyes and criteria. Instead of you know, you think about Kyle Van Noy and what he was like in Detroit. He struggled his first couple of years in Detroit because the general manager picked him and the head coach got a hold of him and said, "Well, I, I don't know what to do with this guy. I'm gonna play him at, at my base." linebacker position and he didn't cater to what he did well so the Dolphins having these kinds of communications amongst assistant coaches head coach and general manager and the scouting staff we would hope are going to avoid those kinds of systemic failures think about Deion Jordan Dolphins trade up ugh, for Deion Jordan in 2013 and what do we try to do it we didn't get creative with him at all obviously Deion Jordan had his own demons and issues that contributed to his shortcomings in Miami. But at the same time, we tried to you know take a guy who's super versatile and just bulk him up and put his hand in the dirt and say, all right, go get him. It's a recipe for failure and it seems like the dolphins and their structure is going
2: to protect them from some of those systemic failures. Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. One thing that really stood out to me that I enjoyed
0: hearing Brian our uh, Chris Greer talk about Chris Greer talked about his options with the fifth pick. This was a really interesting soundbite that he provided. Uh, he was asked, how many prospects have you identified of being worthy of that number five overall pick? It's a great question. Chris had a little fun with it too. He said, I would say this when you're at that number five pick. Every year the joke is around the scouting world that if you're picking 12, there's always 10 guys that you like. We're at five, but we feel really good about it. There are probably eight or nine players we feel really good about. We'll get a good player, and we'll be very happy to have him, and I think our fans will be happy as well. That is a great place to be, to have more players available that you would like and you think are worthy of that pick than what you're actually picking. So the Dolphins are going to be guaranteed to have a surplus of players that they love or really like or would feel comfortable picking at five that's often a catalyst for when you see teams trade back If the team's picking 22 right and they've got 18 first round picks and those 18 guys all come off the board and then your your next best available guys are ideally players that you'd be getting in the early second round it's going to prompt you to try and trade back if the Dolphins had three guys that they tapped as worthy of being top five selections in the 2020 NFL draft and they all went in the first three What do you do? Your first act is to try and trade down so that you're going to guarantee we're going to get more appropriate value for the pick when we make the pick. And then if that's not the case, well, then we just got to take best available player and bite the bullet and that we're not getting perceived ideal value for that pick. Dolphins are not going to be exposed to that because no matter what, if their first four players come off the board, and presumably two of their top four are going to come off the board in Joe Burrow and Chase Young, Even if the top four players, the Dolphins are still going to feel comfortable with who is next in line and who they're going to be in position to draft. How many of those players are quarterbacks? That's a great question. If there's three, Dolphins house money. You stay put at five, no questions asked. If you feel that there's one or two, then, of course, you being in the position that you're in and the objective being to try and get a franchise quarterback, you probably try a little harder to trade up. And we continue here. the Detroit Lions. I think this is like the 12th time this week they've been like, oh, we're really going to do it. We're going to trade up. Bob Quinn, I think it was either last night or this morning, uh, was talking about how they continue to have trade discussions for the number three overall pick. And it just feels like they're like, no, we're really going to do it this time. We really are. So if you really want the third pick, you better call us up. We'll get a deal done because we're going to do it. I don't think the market's there to move up. And if it is, it might surprise us all and be a market for a player that's not a quarterback. I just have a hard time seeing that jump for a quarterback, especially ahead of the draft. And for the Dolphins to know, we've got eight or nine guys that we feel really good about being our pick at five. I don't think they're coming off that pick. I think they'll stand pat, they'll keep their picks, they'll go by volume just like they attacked free agency, and they'll get a quarterback at five. If the league cooperates, they'll get their choice between Tua and Justin Herbert and Jordan Love. And we're going to have to trust whatever decision that they make. Last thing I wanted to touch on. Really enjoyed this perspective. It kind of mirrors some of the things that we've surmised about the Dolphins, uh, their free agency strategy. Uh, he was asked, Chris Greer was asked, uh, that the team has been active in free agency. How did what you were able to do in free agency affect the way you're evaluating picks, and does it affect your draft board? Here's what Chris Greer had to say on that front. I think for us specifically, we talked about finding the right types of players for our organization. We didn't want to go with older players. One of the guys that were younger, 25, 27, 28 years old, Guys that have been winners, guys that have been great locker room guys, good mentors. Chris Greer says, we're such a young team. We were a little bit more active than we've been in the past. We wanted volumes of players, especially not knowing where we're going to be in the future. We need guys that can help the younger guys transition, learn, get on board as fast as they can in terms of learning the defense and preparing. Having guys with some familiarity with Brian Flores was really important. When you do free agency, you always have a, an eye towards the strengths and weaknesses of the draft. We tried to address some places that we thought could help us in terms of free agency and the roster. And then we used the draft to help build up and continue to build the roster up. Echoes our sentiments that the, the team signed two interior offensive linemen in free agency. It's not a very good interior offensive line class. They went out and got a bunch of former Patriots. Van Noy, E. and Roberts, Ted Karras. Feel good about those players through that pipeline. Devin McCourty was apparently very close to coming to Miami if the Patriots hadn't exercised the club option on his brother Jason. Dolphins staying with youth. He didn't get into the salary cap manipulation that we've talked about on this show before, as far as, you know, guaranteed money and roster bonuses to guarantee, you know, you're front loading your contracts, but that part's apparent. I thought it was interesting that he talked about how they want guys that can be mentors despite being younger guys uh, because of the uncertainty this season with uh, COVID-19 and when the team buildings will be able to open back up. It's a great mystery. It's not a certainty. So It's pretty interesting to hear uh, the Dolphins' uh, Chris Greer make that acknowledgement. Yeah, you know, we wanted guys that are are high IQ football guys, and that meets what Brian Flores was talking about anyway. But to to acknowledge the the COVID nineteen indirectly by stating uh, we're not knowing where we're going to be in the future. Um, need guys that can help the younger guys transition, learn, and get on board as fast as they can in terms of learning the defense and preparing. So it sounds like we want this defense to be turnkey. He specifically said, learn this defense. We expect we're going to see an offensive heavy draft in 2020. And we got six days left until it's opening up, which I'm fired up about. You should be fired up too. Hope you guys enjoyed the briefing, the press briefing, courtesy of Chris Greer meeting with the South Florida media and the Miami Dolphins for their transcription of that so that we could use that as uh, engaging talking points for today's show. Get inside the head of Chris Kerr a little bit as far as draft preparations. Uh, some clues, some interesting clues as far as team building process and thought process and mentality there. Kyle Krabs signing off. Thanks as always for listening to Locked on Dolphins. If uh, you got any questions for next week's Power to the Pod, please start thinking about them. I'll solicit them on Monday. Uh, if you want to leave them in iTunes in the form of a review, Please feel free. I'll make sure I'll get to as many of those as possible. I try and prioritize those for those of you who do not have social media. Cowcrabs signing off. Enjoy your weekend, guys.